When Moses led the Israelites out of slavery in Egypt, he learned the power and the love of God. Join me, Pastor Hook, as we learn lessons from the Exodus and God's great rescue. So, we are in episode 46, finally, of um, Exodus, God's Great Rescue. And we are, just to kind of refresh your memory, we're at the bottom of Mount Sinai and God is telling Moses all these things. If you remember, God gave Moses the Ten Commandments. One, two, three, four, five, six, seven, nine, ten. And then the question is, Moses, who had been a judge, remember, judge Moses, uh, before God gave Moses the Ten Commandments, he was judging all these different things of the Israelite community. His father-in-law Jethro comes to him and says, Moses, you can't do this. You're going to just die. You've got to stop and you've got to come up with some standards and some rules. And you've got to give that uh, you know, to other people to kind of let them do this judging thing. So Moses says, fine. Uh, he talks to God. God gives him the Ten Commandments, and those are the sacrosanct Ten Commandments. And then I envision Moses saying, okay, this is something I dealt with. How would you deal with this? And so Moses and God are having a conversation about how to apply the Ten Commandments in their particular, um, it's like case law. Like we have the Constitution of the United States, which is, you know, you don't change that very often. And then that goes to all the courts and everything, and they get interpreted through each judge, and you start developing case law. And so now you have, in the United States, you've got incredible case law. Uh, thousands and thousands and thousands of legal cases that have been decided by judges, that, and then those get applied to a new case that comes up, because every case is unique and different. You have to apply the, the standard to each case individually, and then you develop case law. So that's what Moses and God are talking about, or case law. God is, um, God is telling Moses, these are the things I would, you know, this is how you apply the Ten Commandments uh, in your particular situation. And then Jesus comes along, of course, and reapplies the case law because by the time Jesus comes around, the Pharisees and the Sadducees and the leaders are just so, they're, they're you know, they, they, are not understanding that sometimes case law might have to change as the things in the society change. Uh, and so you can either apply them strictly, this is the way we've always done it for thousands of years, or you can say, well, that situation has changed a little bit, so let's go back and modify the case law. Jesus did modify the case law quite a bit. Uh, and it wasn't in a way that loosened the standard. It was actually expanded the standard. Um, Jesus says, you know, just saying something mean to somebody is actually breaking God's law. So um, we're going to get into some really strange case law today, um, which is uh, personal injury, which you wouldn't think about back then. There were no personal injury lawyers, but this is, uh, we're going to go ahead and start reading Exodus chapter 21, beginning at verse 12 and see where it leads us. Anyone who strikes a person with a fatal blow is to be put to death. That makes sense. However, if it is not done intentionally, but God lets it happen, they are to flee to a place I will designate. But if anyone schemes and kills somebody deliberately, that person is to be taken from my altar and put to death. All right, so this is, I think, still in our case law today. 
We have first-degree murder, second-degree murder, third-degree murder, and we have manslaughter, right? What's manslaughter? Manslaughter is like, this was an accident. Um, I did not mean to do, I did not mean for my cart to fall over and pin somebody to the ground where they died. Uh, that was totally unintentional. I didn't mean to do it. I'm sorry that he's dead, and I know that that brings a tremendous amount of pain to the family. He was the breadwinner of the family. Um, so... But, but it was not my intent. It was it was completely an accident. And so God makes allowances for that. I mean, uh, if it's not done intentionally and, and you're allowed to, then they flee to a place. There still has to be some sort of punishment. There's a death. There has to be some sort of punishment. There has to be some sort of retribution. God's saying, well, we'll make a place and you have to flee and you have to go to that place. Remember, this is just, this is Moses and God talking uh but if it's a deliberate, if someone schemes and kills and puts to someone to death, my, my goodness, that is first-degree murder. That's exactly what our definition of first-degree murder is. You scheme, you plot, you do it, you kill. Um, and if that one's found out, then you should be put to death because that is first-degree murder. So even in Exodus, it can see, you know, there's a little bit of flexibility because the rule, the standard, do not kill is a great standard in its thought, in its concept. But when you start to apply that situation to every situation that may come up in your community, you have to kind of start developing case law. And that's what Moses and God are doing here. Um, I think that uh, I, th I think that I think it's good to have different levels of murder. Because, some, I mean, obviously, if it's an intentional murder, that's one thing. If it's a murder of passion, that's another thing. If it's a murder of accident, that's another thing. If it's a murder where, um, you know, I mean, why why would anybody, like, let's, let's look at the last murders that, well, here we go. Um, the people that, are, apparently in Chicago, there were 10 murders over the weekend or something like that. And it was gang-related murders. And so you have um, these gangs that are going out and they're shooting innocent people on the street. And you say, this is horrible. Uh, those people should be put to death. But what if, I'm just playing devil's advocate here, but, and you were representing these people that have committed this murder. And what if those people, their mom and dad didn't live, you know, didn't exist, uh, or maybe their mom and dad are high on fentanyl or something like that. The kid becomes a street kid, hooks up with the gang, wants to be part of a family or a tribe that's going to love them and care for them. And the gang is actually the one that's telling him, okay, you've got to go out and prove that you're, uh, prove that you are loyal to the gang more than anything else. We want you to go out and we want you to take somebody's life. And I think this actually does happen in the real world. I mean, I think this is a real world situation. Then the question is, who does blame, who's to blame for that? Because indoctrination is a pretty powerful force. You could even brainwash somebody to believe that by killing somebody is actually good. Uh, so then who's to blame for there? Is it the person who actually pulled the trigger? Or is it somebody that brainwashed? Or is it the tribe? Or if, if, um, if it's a community where there's starting to be anarchy and, and the tribe is actually providing some level of control because government has failed, uh, you know, is it, is it government's fault or is it the tribe's fault? Is the person that pulled the trigger's fault? I mean, each one of these are just so complicated. It's just very easy for me sitting in my chair here, listening, and there was a murder 
And my first reaction is, well, that person should be found. They should be executed. They should be set as an example so that nobody does that again. But it's not so easy. It really, truly isn't uh, as easy as that. Uh, I wish it were. I mean, my, my, the one side of my brain says you should never, ever take somebody else's life. But, uh, and I, I, that I believe is true, but, but what happens when you have these unusual situations where you have people that just get caught up in a system that they have no control over? And, and all of us get caught up in systems that we, know we don't have control over. Um, how many of us get passionate about things that are going on in the world around us and we only see it from our side like if there's a war, if, if um, the United States decides to go to war against a country, the people that are controlling the information tell you why we're going to go into war. But it's probably not as clear cut and as easy as just simply, you know, this event happened or whatever, and we should go to war. I mean, anytime we go to war, um, you know, and this is this is I understand we're bombing now uh, Al-Shabaab uh, over there in Iran or Afghanistan, one of those places where we're bombing right now as I speak to try to get rid of a little tribe. Well, every time you pull the trigger and drop a bomb, somebody is dying because of that. And we have to trust as a nation that the people that are making the decision to kill another life is actually responsible, making the right decision making sure that this person actually is making the world a better place um, for all of us, a safer place for all of us. And those decisions are not always so clean cut and black and white. And my heart goes out, my, my, it truly does. Anytime we as a nation kill another person, my heart goes out to you know the spouses and the children, um, whoever, Whoever it, that person, the community that surrounds that person, that's going to lose that person and, and uh, mourn the death of that person. Because I have lost somebody. You know, I've lost people in my life that I love very, very much and mourned their death. And I know what that feels like and I know how horrible that is. Um, anyway, I'm going down a rabbit hole here. But anytime somebody dies, somebody at some level should investigate why did this person die was it a righteous you know i mean how do i say this uh is it first degree murder second degree third degree or manslaughter and um and and moses is starting to play into this right now uh he's starting to develop case law and so we can and, and we can see you know even in our in our system today we have elements of this which i think is so cool right <laughs> like the dj hmm, rabbit hole uh, the alphabet, you know, A, B, C, D, E, F, G. If you go back to Hebrew language, you'll see A, B, C, D. I mean, there's there's overlap there. It's pretty incredible. All right, so uh, let's just continue reading. Verse 15. Anyone who attacks their father or mother is to be put to death. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> now, that, my friends, is an interesting thing. It's not I killed my mother and father, but I attacked my father, mother and father. So which commandment is this? Is this the commandment thou shalt not kill? No, because it doesn't say that it attacked them and killed them. It's just that I attacked them. Is this not honoring your father and mother? Okay, so 
Um, the commandment, you know, honor your father and mother so that it may go well with you in the land. Um, you know, when we talked about that earlier, we said you should honor your father and mother because it's your connection to history. It's your connection to, uh, you know, to your, your gene pool, your tribe and all that sort of thing. Um, so, you know, you should obey your mother and father because it just goes well with you. But if, but the way Moses is like who attacks father and mother is to be put to death. So it has to be at some level, this person attacking mother and father uh, probably is either the, you know, the commandment to obey your mother and father, or it's the commandment to thou not shall, shall not kill. Um, it's kind of like a commandment to not commit violence, but it's more than that because it's those people should be put to death. Here's kind of what I think it is. I think it is a person who, for whatever reason, can't live in that tribe. The mother and father, um, maybe this is a disciplinary thing. If mom and dad tell their children, do not attack me because Moses said, if you attack me, we can put you to death. That is a lot of fear that parents can use to try to bring discipline into their children's lives. They may never, ever do this. And of course, we, I don't know of any, I don't know of any place in the Bible where it actually says that a, someone attacked their mother and father and because of this, they were put to death. This, this could be one of those laws that gets put on the books just to make sure that nobody ever attacks their mother and father and that may have never, ever, ever happened. I don't know. I, I just don't know. But it's a great, I mean, it, it, you can imagine that there's probably not discipline problems in Israel because of this law. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Um, but, you know, the other thing is, is that, and we'll get into this, a lot of times there's these punishments, but you can actually pay an amount of money to get out of this punishment. So, you know, if you attack us, we're, we're going to put you to death. And that works until they attack mom and dad. And then they go to the judge and the judge says, well, we could put you to death, but instead we're going to say that you have to serve your mother and father as, a, as an indentured servant for a period of one year or something like that to atone for the fact that you killed your mother and father. And remember, each ca this is case law. This isn't Ten Commandments stuff. And so this is providing some guidance to people who are going to be making and judging these things. Remember, Moses is doing this now. Uh, he's already have people that he's kind of training that he's they're going to take over this case law but then there has to be an ultimate authority which is Moses but when they get in the promised land I mean one of the things that that the tribe needs is people to judge this and so then they have the period of the judges the judges who are wise people that judge this thing and then they turn it into a king and then the king judges these things you know king is an administrator and a judge um, it's just as the natural progression of the society. All right. So anyone who attacks their mother or father is put to death. I don't know if that ever happened. Uh, I don't, you know, and I never have attacked my mother or father. Um, I don't know of anybody who attacked their mother and father. That's, um, you know, that would be something, that would be something that would happen, um, you know, later in life, like a kid, like a, a five-year-old or six-year-old that just emotionally doesn't, you know, you know, lashes out to mom and dad. That's, I don't think that's this. I think this is an older adult, uh, maybe, um, you know, just, you know, older adult type 
you know, little kids, little problems, big kids, little big problems, right? That's what Jennifer's mother used to always say. Little kids, little problems, big kids, big problems. This is a big kid problem. Problem, okay? You don't put something to death, somebody to death because of a little kid problem. This is a big kid problem. Probably an older adult that, that just, you know, having an argument with mom and dad, but you still should obey your mom and dad. It doesn't have an age limit on that. Let's go on with page 16. Uh, anyone who kidnaps someone is to be put to death whether the victim has been sold or is still in the kidnapper's possession. That's interesting. You should not take for a slave somebody else. Uh, so all the slave uh, trade that's going on today, the sex trafficking that's going on today, all of this is completely forbidden for a very long time. Why? Because you're taking somebody's life. So this to me is probably, you know, thou shalt not kill type of stuff. I think this ties back into the thou shalt not kill. Because when you kidnap something at some level, you're killing them. So they should be put to death. Uh, whether or not the victim was sold. So you could, I mean, obviously you can infer from this that there were people, marauders, that would go out, kidnap people, sell them into slavery, and then take the profits. Uh, which is exactly what happened to the U.S. slave trade at the early founding of this, you know, this country. They would go over, they would kidnap people, uh, they would come back and sell them for a profit. And if... The people, if the church, if, if the legal system had understood this verse right, right here and how it applies to that situation, that would have, they would have completely opened up their minds is that this is not a proper thing to do. Um, that's a whole nother story. Uh, we'll do one more. Verse 17. Anyone who curses their father or mother is to be put to death. Wow. So this is... Uh, this one's pretty severe too. I kind of think that that one goes attacking your mother or father. So if you attack your mother or father, or if you curse your mother or father, you put to death. These are probably never, had never been applied in Israel history. I mean, maybe not. Um, it depends upon, we have this, uh, let's do this one digression. We have this um, kind of belief here in the United States that children belong to their parents. The parents are raising the children until they get to the place where they're adults and they can take care of themselves. I think that in the in the United States today, it's probably age 18, but earlier it may have been, you know, right at puberty or something like that. Um, so we have this, and I believe it's still in our system, that parents have a pretty wide range of things that they can do to try to discipline and raise their children. I think I've story this, told this story before, but my grandfather was um, apparently really, really beat mercilessly by his own father um, as a disciplinary measure. That's, that's kind of how it was done. This would have been, my grandfather was born in 1905, so this would have been the early part of the 20th century. Um, that was standard. Today, it is not standard for parents to spank or to, well, certainly not to beat their children senseless. That for sure. Where it may have been acceptable 100 years ago, it's not acceptable today. Uh, and I'm not even sure corporal punishment like spanking children is even acceptable punishment today. Uh, at some level, I do, um, uh, I do wonder uh, because I was spanked when I was a kid, and it did not seem to cause me a great deal of long-term damage, but that was me. Um, and my father and mother were very gentle when they spanked me. My father would, uh, 
first of all, it wasn't in front of the other children. It was always went to a different room. Second, he would always say, I'm going to spank you, but I still love you. And then third, he would take off the bait and spank me. Uh, and I have no idea if it hurt uh, on my bottom or if um, it was just the thought that I had disappointed my parents uh, and that they were spanking me. I mean, I don't know because it was such a long time ago. I think it hurt, um, but I don't. it didn't hurt for a long time. Uh, and that was, I never, ever felt as if my parents didn't love me when they did that. Um, I felt like it was punishment for things that I had done, and it was pretty serious what I had done. And so um, one of the things that I see in our society today is, um, like, how do you get a child's attention? Because I don't think spanking is is appropriate today. I don't think that uh, any... Uh, or any professor of you know of family life and dynamics would ever say that uh, in today's world, I don't think any of the psychologists, psychiatrists, doctors, that spanking is okay. But at some level, you have to get the child's attention. It can't be something that's fun or flippant or um, something that uh, you know that it I mean it. If you're not going to spank them, and you don't want to do psychological damage either. I mean that's. That was the great thing about spanking, right? Is that, uh, you know, it was an act, an external act that didn't create psychological damage. And I do worry about parents today. If they can't spank, are they doing things that have psychological damage to their children, which in my opinion is even worse than, um, than spanking. So, you know, the one that's popular today is, you know, timeout. Um, is timeout really, you know, is it is it getting the child's attention? I mean... And these are things uh, that, you know, we as a society have to struggle with. Um, but so this this one, don't attack your father and mother and don't curse your father and mother. I don't know if they ever happened, but I think it's really, really, really good um, to have on the books back then so that parents can point to it and say, you better obey me and you better not curse me and you better not attack me. Uh, I am your I'm your father, I'm your mother, you obey me because we have complete power and control over you. And um, today we do not let parents kill their children. Um, they're just not appropriate, although, although, in some places around the world, it is probably acceptable for that to happen. Even today, there probably are tribes, or groups of people where it might be that they do kill a child to set an example for the tribe of why you should not curse your mother and father and why you should not attack your mother and father. So that's, that is pretty interesting. Um, each tribe has to have their own set of standards of how they're going to live. Um, and, uh, anyway, so, uh, I think we're going to end it there. Um, this is personal injuries. If we get to the next step, it's going to be uh, about quarreling. So we'll get into that in the next episode. And I'll try to get through the rest of them a little bit quicker. But I just wanted to make sure that you understand that just because a law is on the books doesn't necessarily mean that it was always applied. And it also doesn't necessarily mean that there wasn't some way to get around it if a person repented, paid money, did something to get around some of these laws. These are case laws, and each case law is unique in and of itself. All right, so um, we'll, we'll kind of go through these a little bit quicker when we go into the next episode, but let's, uh, let's go ahead and close in prayer. 
Uh, gracious God, thank you for um, for this time to understand how we can apply the Ten Commandments, or at least how they applied it back then. But Lord, help us always to to follow you, to follow your law, so that we can live lives that are pleasing to you. Be with us until we meet again. In Jesus' name.